Road. We're your hosts, Morgan, Ricky, and Alyssa. We're here to share the success stories of people who took the opportunity to join the trades and how these opportunities can be achieved by anyone looking for success. Our work may be seasonal, but our stories don't have to be. Become your own success story. Hey everybody, welcome back to Middle of the Res Road. It's Ricky, Lou, and myself here today, and we also have a very special guest. So everybody welcome Chris. Hey, how you guys doing? <laughs> so before we get into learning more about Chris and what he does, let's get into our trivia question, which I think Ricky has ready. And here's our trivia question sponsored by Talon Metals. I, I was actually, again, scrolling on Facebook and I found this one and it's super interesting. It's which company makes the most money per second? Hmm. And... I will tell you guys. Okay. Can't wait to hear. So what what kind of events do you have for us today, Lou? Well, for powwows, we have the Battle Point Traditional in Sugar Point, Minnesota, September 16th, 17th, and 18th. And then for events, there's a mini harvest festival at the Duluth Children's Museum. That's Saturday the 17th from 10 to 12. Fun. Yeah. I might have to go to that. And then there's also a walk for recovery at Leif Erickson Park in Duluth. That is also on the 17th from 1 to 5. And we have the ninth annual Light Up the Night Run slash Walk mm-hmm. um, at Washington, Washington Elementary in Cloquet. It's a busy weekend. That is on the 16th at 6.45 p.m. Also, winter is coming. We're going to have to figure out. Don't say the W word. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about you guys, but I like the cold. I do too. I'm ready for fall. I don't don't mind the winter after the snow already gets here, but the like transition phase where it's like ice cold outside, but there's no snow or anything fun to do. It's like, oh, this kind of sucks for a few weeks. (laughs) Stuck in the house. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'll take fall. I love fall. I wish we could have fall for six, seven months and a couple months of winter. Just sweater weather all the time. Uh, it'd be amazing. <laughs> is it the colors? <laughs> the fall colors? Is that your thing? No, I think it's just everything. The, the colors. No and bugs. No bugs. <laughs> Comfy clothes. Not sweating my ass off. <laughs> but I haven't seen you guys in a while, and I know you guys just got back from Colorado. We did. So yep. I want to hear just a little bit about your trip before we get started. Well, naturally, I'm afraid of heights. So we were going up, I don't know what mountain it was, but it was a dirt road, and on the edge it was just a sheer <laughs> drop-off, so I was oh, like, no. sweating the whole time. Like I was grabbing the back of a headrest because I was so <laughs> terrified, and my hands got bruised. Oh, my God. <laughs> Where were you guys? Were you in like the Garden of the Gods? or? Uh, we went there. Uh, we were in Denver for the first three days, and then we went to Colorado Springs for two. Mm-hmm. So we were able to check out Garden of the Gods, Red Rock Amphitheater. Oh, sick. Um, Seventh Falls. Seven Falls, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. Mountains are beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love it out there. Yeah, I want to move there. 
right? <laughs> he wants to move there. But then I'm going to be like, let's go to the mountains. And he's going to have bruised hands again. <laughs> <laughs> one, fun, like, one fun thing for me, like wrapping my brain around Colorado, is that it's actually a warm weather state. That's so it's, what, it's yeah. only cold in the mountains. Like everybody thinks like, oh, yeah, you got the mountains and you always see those like Aspen. You know, they always talk about Aspen, Colorado and all the movies that it's featured in. But really, it's more like Missouri or Kansas weather. Right. Like they get a couple inches of snow and like that's it. And it melts right away. Yeah. It melts right away. Yeah. That's what our friends were telling us who live there. It's like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys eat any good food? I had In-N-Out for the first uh, time. I love it. No. It was good. It's so good. Um, we did go to this place called Slice 420. I thought it was going to be like cannabis-infused pizza or whatever, but <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it was really good pizza. Yeah, really Story good. would have been a lot cooler if it was. <laughs> <laughs> On their wall it says, it said something like, we do not infuse our pizza with cannabis. <laughs> yeah. Be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, cool. Well, I'm glad you guys had a good trip, but I missed you guys. Glad long, you're back. Long week. I know. Yeah, we definitely want to go back mm-hmm. within a year. All right. Anyway, so let's dive in to learning a little bit more of what Chris does. So, Chris, can you introduce yourself again and just tell us about yourself, where you're from, where you grew up? Yeah. So, Christopher Hennigan, I actually moved around a lot when I was younger. So I went to four different high schools, Uppsala, Albany, Cloquet, and then I actually graduated from uh, the Fond du Lac Ojibwe School over here a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got some kids. So I have a 15-year-old and 11-year-old boy, uh, both very, very active kids. My oldest boy's into skateboarding. Um, breaks my heart a little bit. He doesn't play football because he'd be amazing at it. But <laughs> he's, he's got his passion, and he's good at it, and he works very, very hard at it. And, yeah, he posts a lot of videos that – just freak me out so I know that he's getting good so and then my youngest guy he just finished up football on Wednesday so I coached his last game and he's uh he's in sixth grade so this will be the last year that I coach him for a while and let somebody else mentor him for a bit he doesn't like listening to his dad anyway (laughs) I don't think any kid does no no it's ridiculous we're like arguing in the middle of the game and I'm like don't worry this one's mine (laughs) um yep and then I have a fiance so me and her have been together 11 years now. I've been engaged for about six of them. Yeah, I know I'm dragging my feet, but... <laughs> I was going to say, what's, what's taking so long? <laughs> <laughs> so she went back to school, and she uh, just finished up her nurse practitioner program in May. Oh, nice. So the last three years, she's been going to school, going to work, and she's also in the military, so she, oh she my has gosh. drills on the week. Yeah, she's... She's a go-getter. Totally out of my league. I'll <laughs> kick my coverage. <laughs> I was going to say, can she beat you up? <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't even try, man. If you ever hear about a domestic at my house, come make sure I'm okay. <laughs> So where do you guys reside now? Uh, so we live in Cloquet, just over okay. by Churchill. So really sweet spot. I love the community here. Um, I'll never forget my first day at Fond du Lac. I remember going there and just walking into the classroom. And finally, for once in my life, every single person in the room wasn't white. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, where am I? This place is magical. <laughs> so, yeah, as soon as, uh, as soon as I went to the Fond du Lac school, I was like, yep, this is my home. This is where I'm supposed to be in the world. So. Yeah, I've, I've stayed close with close to the community ever since. Since 2005, went to college for a little while in Grand Rapids. That was about a year and a half I was gone. Then came back and lived in Cloquet and went to school at Scholastica. And yeah, I don't I don't plan on leaving until at least my youngest graduates high school. So I'll probably be here another decade or so. 
and yeah, the the RBC and the facilities, you know, pre-COVID when it was all open and it was fun. Mm-hmm. I love taking advantage of all of that, going up there, working out, swimming, sauning, hanging out with all the kids in the gym, talking smack, playing 21. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I hope they, I hope that, yeah, they open some stuff up again. Yeah. It's been a long time coming. Long time coming. They were doing the floors, right? Oh, yeah. I think they are. At the, the gym? Okay. Community Center? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned you went to college. What did you study? What are your degree? What is your degree in? So, uh, like my man um, Riley or Ricky over here, I uh, went to school for my associate's degree, and I just got my generals done um, first. I did that. Real realistically, I didn't even plan on going to college. I mean, Fond du Lac made me do it, so I went to the high school. <laughs> so, like, you're taking classes at the college. And I said, no. <laughs> so I signed up. For, I think I signed up for an art class or something stupid, you know, what a high schooler would do. But, uh, yeah, to answer your question, I graduated with a uh, marketing degree, and I minored in finance. Oh, okay. So, and I got that degree from Scholastica. So I got a four-year degree in marketing, so a business degree. What made you, like, what sparked your interest in that? Uh, so one of the career counselors at the college talked me out of my original major, which was uh, exercise physiology, and I was going to minor in psych. So I wanted to be a mm. sports psychologist. So you know when you're watching an NFL team, like, and they have, like, a Justin Jefferson, and all of a sudden he just can't catch anything to save his life? Like, it's not necessarily a physical issue he's having. He's probably, you know, some psychological oh, or, you know, okay. things going well, on. weird. Yeah, so th- I wanted to be the guy to fix those people. And, That's cool. Yeah. And that the would have con- been cool, too. So they really have those? Yeah, sports psychologists. Yeah, I didn't think that was a weird was a thing. When there's that much money being invested into I any profession, it, yeah. you can't. I mean, they got crazy specialists for everything. <laughs> like you get, you know, you they probably have their own personal nutritions, mm-hmm. um, their personal trainers, obviously, and they're probably going through a few of those a year. And then you also have the athletic trainers that are already on staff with the teams. Um, then you have all of these uh, required things that they have to do now. Like the rookies will have to go speak to a financial advisor, right? So they have to have financial training before they sign their contracts. Oh, cool. Yeah. So they're taking it a lot more seriously than they used to before. It was like, here's a bunch of money figured out. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you decide to pursue marketing then? Uh, oh, yeah. Sorry. Getting yeah. back to that. So the counselor had essentially told me if I didn't know anybody famous or any professional athletes, it was going to be really hard to break into that industry. Mm. So she's like, you should have a more realistic goal, right? Same stereotype that always happens with teachers and, you know, mediocre thinkers. And so she was like, maybe maybe a degree in business. And I was like, uh, OK, what kind of business degree should I get? And she's like, well, the easiest one's probably going to be marketing. <laughs> and that was how it happened. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so she essentially convinced me that it'd be easy to get a marketing degree. Go do that instead. Are you forever grateful for her advice? Do you love it? Uh, no, I mean, marketing was not sweet. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't mind it. I didn't hate it, but it wasn't something I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to market businesses and be like one of those guys off of Mad Men or um, later on when I figured out what marketing in, you know, modern times is, is essentially Google and Facebook, right? So pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So I started looking into Google ads and getting those certifications, which you can do for free online. And I was like, uh, nah, I'm not really interested in this either. So, I mean, I enjoy talking to other business owners and talking to small businesses about marketing, but as far as like going out and trying to recruit marketing clients or working for a business and having marketing events and deadlines and all those things, 
just not something I'm after right now. So you minored in finance? Yep. So what 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 do you do now? What's your career? Or what's your job? <laughs> <laughs> so currently I'm a financial advisor. Okay. So finance is a little more yep. what you're passionate about, would yeah. you say? Yeah, absolutely. Finance is something I've always talked to everybody about, even when it was like unacceptable to do that. <laughs> like it's it's weird because now like our generation, right? Millennials and then Gen Zers. It's normal. Like we tell each other how much money we make or how much we're getting paid or, right. you know, how much we paid for items. But like our grandparents, that was, you don't talk about money. That's, that's totally tab- tab- a yeah. yeah, That is to be held close, quiet, confidential. And, you know, I'm, I know our parents, you know, probably the Gen Yers, they started talking about money a little bit more. But it wasn't until our generation where that was normalized. Yeah, I think it's more to like... I think it's also has has something to do with like the recent what's it called the resi- the great resignation or something like that yeah. where everyone's like looking for new jobs and I think it's because more people are talking about their wages and finding out that we're all doing the same jobs we're not getting paid the same. Oh yeah. I mean, well you I mean that that push started with uh with females realizing they were making mm-hmm. what 78 cents or something to the male yeah. dollar. Mm-hmm. It's like that's absurd for the same amount of work and and I know I'm not supposed to do this, but I generally, if I have the option to work with a man or a woman, I'm going after the female employee for sure. Because women, in my experience, more diligent, they worked harder, they had to overcome a lot more hurdles to get to where they're at. So they're taking it a lot more seriously. And I don't know about you, but women are way more organized than I am. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's something I probably don't even think about. It's just a yeah, an extra added bonus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how long have you been a financial advisor? So I have been a licensed advisor since October of 2020. So about two years now, going on two years. Um, how, how was that during COVID? Oh, I mean, it was a blessing, to be honest with you, because before, so I ended up getting laid off like most people during COVID. Mm-hmm. So COVID was announced, the national emergency on March 14th. And for the last two weeks of my job, I was literally taking cancellations. So what I was doing as a marketer before is I was working with small business owners and I had 87 clients. So I had a book of 87 small businesses I was meeting with on a monthly basis to plan their marketing campaigns. And uh, for the last two weeks of my job there, I was literally just taking cancellation calls from these small oh, business owners. Man. Yep. And they're crying, right? You know, I, I dumped my whole life savings into this. I cleared out my mm-hmm. 401k. Oh you know, my I gosh. took my teacher's. Uh, teacher's 403B plan. I invested the whole thing into this business to start it up and everything was great. And then this, you know, so yeah, ended up getting laid off for that. Well, for the first month of COVID, I was just working out with my kids in the house and we had a plan to like keep ourselves busy so we didn't drive each other insane. And then uh, I started looking at my own finances and I, I came to the realization that, Hey, I could pay off the last of my student loans. So when I graduated from Scholastic, I actually had 75,000 in student loan debt and yeah, I paid off the last $21,640 of that on May 21st, 2020. Wow. wow. Yeah. Hey, that's crazy that <laughs> you already have your school loans paid off when, like, for example, my mom is still paying on hers. So how did you, can you share, like, how you did that? A plan. Yep. So most people don't, like the saying goes, right? Most people don't mm-hmm. plan to fail. They fail to plan. And I'm not trying to knock your mom or anything, but the reality is she's probably just been going through life, right? Like, uh, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm making my payments. I'm, you know, paying my bills, mm-hmm. whatever. And just like my mom did, right? She's woke up since 530 in the morning since I was a little kid and 
worked her ass off. Like, that's what she does. She's a worker. She doesn't complain. You know, my Aunt Faye, she does mm-hmm. the same thing. Doesn't complain, but they're not good planners, right? They're not planning long-term. Like, how am I getting ahead? How am I building wealth? How am I, you know, accruing assets? How am I doing these things? And if you don't have a plan for that, then you're essentially just bringing money in and pushing money out. So uh, to be direct with you, what I did was a, just a personal analysis of my finances, right? I looked at what I had in assets, where was my cash at, um, where were my available assets, and then what did I owe? And when I realized I could pay off the last of my student loans and be totally debt-free, I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is going to be awesome. Wow. So if you don't, crazy. if you don't mind me asking, how do you feel about the recent student loan forgiveness? forgiveness. No, I, I don't mind. I'm glad that you brought this up. <laughs> so, so I actually had private loans, so I wasn't going to be part of that anyway. But to answer your question, like, I think that just because I'm not the one being blessed doesn't mean that somebody next to me shouldn't be. Like, I think that it is absolutely absurd that people are pissed about this, right? Yeah. And, you know, some people are like, being super inappropriate like oh yeah well what about my mortgage how come somebody's not forgiving I, my I mortgage i see that all the time too you want to know your fun fact for you george bush actually ran stimuluses for people that purchased homes so they were getting like eight thousand dollar stimulus checks from bush if you purchase a home yeah so it's essentially the same thing as forgiveness right you're getting eight thousand dollars in a stimulus check rather than you know ten thousand dollars in student loan forgiveness so I don't know. I always think it's funny when people start complaining. Well, oh, how come somebody else is getting money? The people that are, the people that were given student loans, in my opinion, were victims of predatory lending. I mm-hmm. agree too. Yeah. Like no, no other lending system is going to give you that amount of money with no collateral, with no good credit, with you know, without jumping through a whole bunch of hoops. You sit down, you do like a thirty to forty-five minute computer module training. And you have all of these people behind you, professors, teachers, you know, decades worth of education that are telling you, hey, you go to school and you're going to make 100 grand a year. It's going to be awesome. And you'll have so much money to pay back all these debts. And then reality hits and it's like, oh, you make $35 um, or $35,000 a year as a marketing associate your first year and you have $75,000 in student loans and you absolutely can't afford to live. Yeah. And yeah. You're only making the minimum payment. So the interest is essentially killing you Mm -hmm. and crazy before this whole like student loan um like reconsidering how they're doing the system you could have made every single payment on time in an income-based repayment plan and not even have paid all of the interest that was accruing yep so you could have been making all your payments and let's say you were accruing 150 bucks a month in interest you could have been making a hundred dollar payment every month thinking hey i'm getting ahead of this and then five years down the road you look up and oh the balance increased Yep. How is that possible? I made every single payment on time. And people didn't even know that. So It's sad. It's sad that like I think of my kids are, you know, come out straight out of high school and then they'll be in immediate debt after. It's just crazy. Let's hope not. Yeah. Let's hope not. I mean, there's a huge push right now for trade schools and places like, you know, paper mills and industrial manufacturing plants are paying kids to go get trade school degrees. Mm. Yeah. It's kind of like our platform too, is bringing that to bringing that to light. Like, Hey, you don't have to go through the traditional four year. Mm-hmm. You don't have to take out a bunch of student loans. You could get paid to go to school. And then once you're out of school, you can make 80 to $150,000 a year right. by going through the trade route. So, yeah. And that's wild. <laughs> Honestly, I, I always get jealous when I hear people that have done that. Like, you smart, <laughs> smart individuals. <laughs> so, 
So um, one thing that I wanted to point out, though, as, as we were talking about these student loans is uh, going back to that, I don't feel angry or upset that people are getting the forgiveness for that. Like, I, I couldn't be more happy. It's been so long. It's, it's such a long time coming. This should have been done forever ago, and we should just be moving on with it. Well, I mean, every other country has free schooling, too. Yep. So I feel like the one the one argument that I think that the people are opposing the student loan forgiveness that I think is valid is that the system itself is still broken. Right. right. Like there is no requiring schools to reduce how much tuition they're charging or whatever. So, yeah, it's sort of like you're 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 drawing a line in the sand today. But the reality is the same problem could be perpetuated 20 or 30 years from now because the underlying problem hasn't hasn't been addressed yet. Yeah, I've been reading like. Things about how they're get, giving forgiveness up to ten thousand dollars. That ten thousand dollars technically doesn't really exist because of the interest rates. Right. So they're pretty much just getting. They're giving away nothing, almost essentially. One thing that I like though is that they were giving up to twenty thousand dollars in forgiveness if people had Pell Grant, mm-hmm. if you had qualified for some Pell Grants. Oh, really? Which the only people that qualify for Pell Grants are like the poorest of the poor. So like you had to be poverty level or below. Um which is amazing. I mean, I think that it's fantastic that the government is finally stepping in and doing something fantastic for mm-hmm. people who are at the lowest end of the low. Now, as to whether that's going to be a long-term fix or not, I mean, it really depends on the individual. Well, if the individual gets this blessing and this $20,000 in loan forgiveness, and then they decide to go take out a $25,000 car loan, they just washed all their blessing away, right? Right. right. So need to make good choices with that money. So, do you have a lot of experience, like, you probably have clients that you work with, per se, day-to-day? Yeah. Um, can you share, like, um, like a common, like, situation that would come for someone to come see you or seek out your services? Yeah, absolutely. So, a raise. it's so funny it's either like a raise or an injection of you know an asset or i inherited something or you know i'm just tired of living paycheck to paycheck it's it's a very common theme and the reality is is for most people i mean the only thing that they're missing is just a documented strategy a plan right we don't plan to fail we fail to plan so the first thing i have almost everybody that comes into my office do is tell me how much money it costs them to live every month and nobody can answer that question. <laughs> I, and this is not even a demographic conversation. Like people that come into my office that are wealthy and people that come into my office that are not wealthy, neither of them can answer that question. How much does it cost you to, you know, pay all your expenses every month? I mean, they can all figure it out, right? They can sit down, they can mm-hmm. make a list of all their monthly expenses, the fixed expenses, things that are typical. And then, you know, the variable expenses like our entertainment or utilities or gas. Eating out. Yeah, those kind of things. So, yeah. So that the recurring theme that I see is that nobody knows what is costing them every month to survive. So if, so is that like your first step to advising somebody is like, hey, figure out what you spend monthly and then figure out what's left over? Uh, no. So my first step to advising anybody is first I have to build trust, right? Because nobody's going to be honest with you if they don't trust you. So the first thing that I'm always doing is asking questions, right? Uh, what brought you in today? Um, what are you hoping that we talk about at our meeting? Um, have you had any ex- um, experience working with a financial advisor before? What do you have? 
um, experience doing, right? Um, and then from there, I'm always asking, right, like how much money is coming in and how much money is going out? Because realistically, if there's no surplus, meaning you're not making enough money to cover your normal expenses every month, well, then I know that something needs to happen. Either we need to reduce how much is going out or we need to increase how much is coming in. So first first step to the process is always question answering. I got to know what what brought the person in, what their situation looks like currently, and what they want their situation to look like. How am I going to be successful in their mind, right? How did I do my job in their mind? So... So what's your typical day at the office look like then? Oh, man. <laughs> Drop my kid off at work, get to the office probably 8.30 in the morning. Um, I'll check the market out. I don't know why I do that. Honestly, it doesn't really make any difference for <laughs> 90% of the people that I work with. <laughs> but I'll check the market out just because I feel like I'm supposed to do that. Um, then I'll start replying to emails. Um, start making my plan for the day, right? What am I going to... I always make like a top three to five tasks list which is a practice that I started maybe four or five years ago I did this organizational training with a with a former employer and they said that if you had your your big priorities for that day documented at the very beginning of the day you were more likely to be more successful at the end of the week so you string together a whole bunch of successful weeks and now you have a successful career right so I'll start by putting like three to five tasks that I need to accomplish by the end of that day together. And then I'll go through those tasks. So it might be creating a financial plan for somebody. Um, it might be um, just analyzing some investment options for somebody or some insurance options for somebody. And then from there, we'll usually run client meetings. And I, I usually do those depending on the client. If it's a young client that would be my age. I'll run that meeting by myself, right? I feel comfortable. That's my wheelhouse. But if I have an older client, sometimes I'll bring in an older advisor just to sit at the table. And I'll tell you an inside secret on that. Like, they don't usually do anything. <laughs> like, they sit next to me and just be old and nod their head in, in the affirmative. <laughs> I'm like, your job is just to do this, right? They're and, there for comfort. Yeah. Yep. So it's like, yeah, older people don't want some, you know, 35-year-old guy telling them how to plan their retirement right mm -hmm. like, oh yeah what the hell do you what know you're yeah, 35, you know? You're 35. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so i'll bring in like a 50 or 60 year old guy in there who you know obviously he's affirming that i've done this right he's done his due diligence and knows that i'm not an idiot um but yeah it's really just a comfort tactic so that's cool and then at the end of the day i'll do any follow-up and documentation that i need to do so that i don't forget anything that's the most important part for me is not forgetting what the client's goals and objectives are. So when I ask that, I need to make sure that I document that because the reality is, is nobody's going to be happy with any service that you provide them if, if there's not a clear expectation set. So what, what are you trying to accomplish and how are you documenting that, resharing that, reaffirming that, right? If I meet with you six months from now, your goals might be totally different. Right. So. So are you with your clients for like a, a period of time? Does your service end or like when do they know they, they can be without you? That's totally up to them. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it's totally different for everybody. So depending on what kind of service I'm providing for them, if they want financial planning and they want me to do a deep dive into all their information, right? Like what is their tax bracket? How much should I invest? Uh, what should I invest in? Um, where do I need insurances? Where are my risk categories, right? Like what is, what is, what is exposing my plan to the most risk, right? Um, those clients are generally going to be a lot more meetings, right? So we, we might meet with them once a quarter, and we might do that for years. Okay. And then other clients who come in and they're like, yeah, I have this rollover from my previous employer. They said I have to get it out of there in a couple of years or a couple of months. Can you help me out? 
I'm like, yeah, we can absolutely help with that. So, do you work with most of the older people or? No, my book is actually pretty evenly split. So I would say half of my book is people that are under 50 and the other half is people that are over 50 and approaching retirement. And the the real difference there in my mind is people that are younger are, they're either in the foundation section, which is like, we need to make sure that we are protecting what we're about to build, which is usually younger people, but sometimes people just kind of let that go until they get older. And then they got to start with the foundation in their forties. Um, but yeah, so younger clients, we're starting with the foundation and then the older clients who have already accumulated the assets. Now they're like, okay, well, I have done what I was supposed to do. Now, how do I make this an income in retirement? So so have you seen a trend or something that is that people are doing, like our age, our generation, that's hurting them in the long run? Is it the Starbucks and avocado toast? <laughs> <laughs> um. I don't know that it's a trend. I mean, I, like I said, so whether they're low income or high income clients that come into the office, they can't tell me how much it costs them to live every month, right? Well, whether it's a low income or a high income client that comes in, almost everybody is wasting money on something. Like, they're va- I mean, there's always like the accountant or the engineer or that like weird person that has no social life and has, you know, counted every single penny for their whole <laughs> life. Like, that anomaly of a human being comes in every <laughs> once in a while. But the reality is, we all waste money on something. So I don't know that our generation's got this huge trend of doing anything terrible that previous generations didn't, right? Like mm-hmm. how many people smoke cigarettes now compared to how many people smoked cigarettes before? Like you're, you went to school for marketing, so I'm sure you've seen some of those old marketing ads where it's like a pregnant lady in the hospital. Oh, yeah. It's like, what <laughs> flavor of cigarette would you like to relax, ma'am? <laughs> before this baby is born. <laughs> so what's the thing you waste money on? Oh man, I waste money on tons of stuff. <laughs> um, I I like beer, like IPA beer, not like light domestic beer, which is lame and watery. I like cream ale from Castle Danger and Two Harbors. <laughs> like craft beer then? Yeah, craft beers. And I like um, taking trips with my kids and I like toys, like four wheelers, snowmobiles, um, and I'm, I'm foolish about that because I very much like fixing them, which is stupid. I hate, I hate <laughs> fixing them, but I like the idea of it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be this cool guy that has this shop and a beard and a man bun and, like, <laughs> be out there hammering away on this, uh, this, like, cafe racer motorcycle that I'm making. And it just turns into, like, this pile of junk sitting in the back of my garage. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes you seven years to even get out there and do something with it. You've been over my house? It's <laughs> 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 exactly how it is. It's sad. But yeah, that's that's my uh, that's my kryptonite right there. That and my kids. My kids get. I hate giving my kids money on random times, but I don't know. I don't know how it was for you guys. But when I was younger, I remember like it felt like I was always asking for something like sports equipment or a little candy bar or like name brand clothes or something cool or like a skateboard or like a top of the line BMX bike or you know whatever it may be. And I feel like when I was a kid, it was always no. Yep. Just no. And, yeah, so I feel like our generation is totally, like, spoiled the shit out of our oh, kids. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm sure every generation says that, but it's like, I feel like we have taken this over the top. I try not to. So, like, when like my son wants a bike or something, I'm, I'm always like, well, what are you going to do for the bike? Like, what are you going to do, like, around the house? Or what are you going to do to work for the bike? But eventually I just end up buying them. <laughs> <laughs> so can I go back to the question about what our generation 
trending is wasting money on. Yeah. Yeah, that's that. Kids. Kids. No question. <laughs> Spoiling the shit out of these kids. <laughs> Definitely. Guilty. Uh, I kind of wanted to circle back to you checking the market. You're talking about the stock market? Yes, ma'am. Yep. Do you do stocks? So like- I don't pick stocks, no. Okay. So I do not do that. Most financial advisors that people would meet with do not go into the market and pick stocks. Now, some of them might pick funds, which are going to be mutual funds, but... You know, mutual funds or index funds or you know. S&P, stuff like that. Well, so the S&P is going to be an index. So that is going to be something that a fund would follow. So um, the best way I can explain this, I think, to um, a novice investor would be if I were to buy an individual stock, let's say GameStop, right? That's the one mm-hmm. that's got recent publicity for yep. going going to the moon. <laughs> um, so if I buy stock in an individual company, how likely is that company to go out of business? Well, it's very likely. It's just one company. Yep. Okay, so that company goes out of business. What happens to all the money that I've invested in their stocks? It's all gone. Well, most of the investing that that people are doing with like their employer 401ks or 403b plans or, you know, other investments that you're going to have offered to you, you're going to be invested in funds. Well, those mutual funds or index funds or funds will have multiple companies in there. Hundreds, sometimes thousands of companies are held in those funds. Well, the difference there is how likely there are thousands of companies to go out of business at the same time. Much less likely yeah. than one company. So, yeah. So, I mean, quickly, that's the easiest way that I can explain the difference between what people think about investing is like, oh, going to pick a single stock or yep. investing for long-term goals like retirement. So, when you're investing for retirement, you're trying to minimize your risk exposure in the market by having a fund rather than an individual stock held in that. That's interesting. Because mm-hmm. I, I just thought, people, you know, a whole lot of people just like buy just stocks, not as a fund. Well, good. I'm glad I taught you something today. Cool. <laughs> I bet a lot of people, actually, I know a lot of people think that because they'll come into the office and they're like, well, what, what stock do I buy? They always ask that right away. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, no. we're not going to buy an individual <laughs> stock. If you want to gamble, we can go to the casino. This is, <laughs> it'll be fun. It'll be just as much fun. Let's do that with our um, discretionary money, though. <laughs> What would you say to somebody who's looking for financial freedom? Like how, I know you said list out all the stuff you spend money on. Um, How would you budget for like savings, paying off debts, the fun things and bills and stuff like that? So the first step is always the plan. Like I want to know what's your plan. And if you don't have a plan, it's probably because you don't have goals. So realistically, maybe this first step I should articulate is goals, right? What do we, what is the purpose of this? When you say you want financial freedom, why do you want that, right? Like you don't want to live off in the woods and catch your own trout and shoot your own rabbits and feed yourself, right? Like, okay. Right. So what's the plan? What is the goal? What is, what does happiness and surplus and financial freedom look like for you? Because some people, you know, they can live off of a small amount of money while other people are thinking like millionaire lifestyle. I'm right. on Instagram and I believe all this crap that people are putting on there. <laughs> it must be real. It's on the Internet. right? Um, but I would say the goal. Right. So have a list of goals and that should be changing all the time. So when I started um, working at the bank, so I used to work at a bank as well before I ever got into being a financial advisor. And at that time, I don't know what you know about bankers, but they don't make anything either. Like I was making way more money working for the casino than I was making when I worked at the bank. And so I was real tight. Like my budget was real tight because 
I'd make a list of all my expenses every month. And if anything was like 30 or $40 over what I had budgeted for. Over. Yeah, it was like, it was like blowing up the whole plan. So, I mean, it was that tight for a little while. So I'm, I'm remaking the budget like on a daily basis. And then I got to the point where I'm like using an Excel spreadsheet to make my budget so that it was a little less daunting than writing it down on a piece of paper over and over and over again. Um, and yeah, I mean, you need to have a goal and you, and after you have the goal, then you need to make a plan. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. So, but the goal is absolutely priority number one. Do you have any, like, do you use any apps that track spending or anything like that? I personally don't. I use what's called the zero budget method. So essentially I put all of the um, things that I'm going to put my money into. So saving, investing, um, monthly expenses, disposable, discretionary, all of those things are put into the budget. And then when the paycheck comes in, those things are allocated. And then whatever's left over is. I've seen a couple of those like TikTok, like, oh, we're putting $5 in the vacation fund today. And yep. we didn't make this much this month. So we're not putting anything in the travel fund or. Yep. So it's kind of like that. Yeah. Everybody has their own method, right? There's the right. jars method. You know, people used to put money in jars or envelopes. Um, I personally just have a whole bunch of different accounts. So like you were talking, oh yeah, the travel travel envelope or whatever. Yeah, you can go to a bank. There's no limit on how many accounts they'll let you open. As long as there's money in there, they'll usually just go ahead. Oh, you can have another savings account. So you can literally set up like a strategy for you know I want to have two vacations a year and it's going to cost me five grand, whatever you know. You could have a vacation fund that you're putting money into every month. Well, I know that I'm going to spend five grand on vacations every year. How much do I need to put in every month to make that happen every year? There you go. I was reading this book called The Richest Man in Babylon. Ooh, I love that book. Oh, you read <laughs> Good it read. Yeah, the 10%. Put it away. Yep. Put it in your purse and your purse will be full. Yep. That's kind of like how I budget my stuff now after I read that book. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering like what other things people can do. Oh, oh, I. All right. So <laughs> six months, right? So everybody. I don't know how many people have emergency accounts. I know that I read a statistic, something like 50 or 60% of Americans couldn't cover a $400 emergency, which is absurd, right? Six out of 10 people you walk past or five or six out of 10 people that you walk past couldn't cover a $400 emergency. Like that is insane. So not having an emergency account is, it's a tragedy, really. You're just waiting for that thing to happen because it's going to, something's going to happen. Right. Transmission is going to go out. Your fridge is going to break. Eater's going to go out. Kid's going to need, you know, to fix a broken arm, whatever it is. I don't know what it's going to be, but something's going to happen. So if you have zero put aside for that emergency or no plan for that emergency that's going to happen, yeah, your, your, your finances are a ticking time bomb. But what I would say is like a good parameter, like I've heard a whole bunch of financial professionals' opinions on this, but I think $1,000 is a great starting point. I think that three months worth of an emer- uh, three months worth of your expenses um, is is a better place to be, and I think that if you want to have financial freedom, like real financial freedom, you need six months or more of your monthly expenses in a savings account. And I, the reason I say that is think about this, right? So, in order for you to even accomplish this, right, to get three months worth of your monthly expenses in a savings account, you have to know what. What your, your, expenses what your expenses are. are. Yeah, it's yeah. exactly right. You have to know what your monthly expenses are. So, boom, I've already killed two birds with that stone. 
Like I know that you know how much your monthly expenses are. Otherwise you wouldn't be telling me you have three months worth of it in there or you're lying to me. Right. Um, (laughs) But when you get to that six months, now this is what I want to focus on. I think that most people, that's their goal and they don't even realize that it is their goal. They talk about financial freedom. They talk about not living paycheck to paycheck. They talk about, you know, I don't want to be in poverty. You know, I was raised in poverty. Well, when you have an emergency account, well, you've already broken a generational poverty trend right there. You have the ability to have money at your disposal that you're not spending. Okay. And then if you look at six months worth of savings in an account, like, dude, you got FU money. (laughs) There's no other way to put that, right? You have Florida University money, we'll call it. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason I say that is because if I go to work today and my boss is just on one and he's being ridiculous and I hate my job. I hate being there. I hate what I'm doing. I have six months worth of monthly expenses to figure it out. So I'm like, I'm not here because I have to be here for work. I'm here because I want to be here. And as soon as that change, I'm not going to come into work anymore. I got half of a year to find another job to pay me. So when you're talking about freedom, I mean, that's what it is. In my opinion, if you have the resources to not have to go to a place you don't want to be, you have freedom. You have choices. You have options. I like it. Yeah. So how do you get from, you know, like living paycheck to paycheck to actually building up a six-month cushion, I would say? I'm glad that you asked me that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, what would be your first step? Based on the conversation we've had up to this point, if you were trying to build some financial freedom for yourself, what would be your first step? So if I was like living paycheck to paycheck or whatever, yep. I do, you know, my monthly expenses. Yep. Why? See how much I'm spending. That's exactly. See, find my goal that I need to be at for six months. Yeah. And then like if I need to make cuts, I guess, find out what I'm wasting money on and then just stop doing those things. But the only problem is like, I like doing <laughs> I like doing those like yeah. spending money. Yeah. So, so let's not get focused on the cutting, right? Because that's the reality. So people get stuck in that mindset like, oh, if I build this budget, it's a diet for my money. Yeah. Like, no, dude, a budget is not a diet for your money. It's a plan for your money. It's you telling your money where to go rather than asking where it went. So when I go out and give presentations to like middle school and high school kids, like these kids don't have an idea what the hell a budget is. Like they don't have expenses. Yeah. I'm lucky if one out of like a hundred of these kids is paying their own cell phone bill, right? So they don't know anything like that. So how do, I, how do I teach them about building a budget? Well, I play a game with them. I write down $1,000 on the whiteboard. And I'm like, okay, if I gave you $1,000 today, what would you spend that money on? Then they'll list it out. You know, I'll give them a minute or two. And then I'll put $10,000 on the board. I'm like, well, if I gave you $10,000 today, what would you spend that money on? And then, you know, I'll give them a couple more minutes. That's a little bit more money in their mind. Mm-hmm. They think they're free at that point. And then I'll write down $100,000. And in most kids' mind, that's like an inconceivable amount of money. Like, am I really going to get that at one point in my life? It's so much V-Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so that one I'll give them a substantial amount of time. And you can just see it. Like, people say that they hate to make a budget, but when you give a kid this exercise, they get, like, all excited. They're like, and they don't want to save it, or they don't, they don't want to uh, save what they're going to do with their money to themselves. They want to tell me right away. They want to speak on it, like, I would do this. I would do that. I would buy this. I would buy that. I would start this business. I would buy these like, I don't know, just crazy stuff that these kids will come up with. And they're like so excited to tell me everything that they're going to do with it as they're writing it down. So when people are like, oh, I hate making a budget. I'm like, nah, you just you got your mind all twisted up right now. Like, just think about getting money and how would you spend it if you got it? 
that's all the building a budget is. Um, yeah. So yeah. When you say you like doing these things, generally when people are making a list of their monthly expenses, they start to realize where they're wasting money. Well, you tell me that you like doing these things. Well, do you have a list of goals that you like more than those things? Cause that's really what it is. It's a give and take, right? So I like going to the casino and playing the slot machine and drinking my IPA. Okay. Well, is there anything I would rather be doing with that money? Would I rather take a trip with my family? Would I rather buy a dirt bike? Would I rather buy a mountain bike? Would I rather buy some gym equipment for my garage? You know? And again, it doesn't necessarily need to be only focused on what am I eliminating, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there are options, right? So we're looking at our income. We're looking at our expenses. Mm-hmm. We realize, okay, we can save a little bit of money, but we could also go figure out ways to increase our income, right? Does that mean getting a part-time job? Does that mean negotiating for a raise? Does that mean taking a different job, you know, whatever it may be. So yeah, let's just not focus on cutting, right? We can increase as well. If we're really trying to get out of that survival mindset, right? let's start thinking about how we can live in abundance. I like it. That was a lot of good, helpful tips. <laughs> I did want to, that kind of brought up another question, you know, the, the budget that you do for middle school kids, 100 thousand ten thousand hundred thousand a thousand ten thousand hundred thousand yeah and we'd never go to a hundred bucks i mean (laughs) even to a high school kid it's like a hundred (laughs) bucks bro like i'm not even doing the dishes for that (laughs) what would you say to some of the native americans who get like their giant per cap Mm -hmm. when they turn 18 yep so um same thing. I mean, just because you're brown doesn't mean you get different advice from me. <laughs> the reality is, is, dude, have a plan. Like, and not a plan, like, in the back of my mind, I kind of know I want these five things, right? I probably want a car. I probably want some updated clothes. I probably want to give my, my mom, my dad, my cousins, and all these people that I love a little bit of cash, you know, help them out. You know, um, I want to save some, right? Like, you should have a plan. But if I'm being more specific about it, stop thinking about the money as like, this is the amount of money that I have in this account that I can spend. It's mine. Okay. Um, I'll relate it to another life experience. So I had my son when I was very, very young. So I was uh, 19 when he was born. And I remember the first year that Ashley, his mom and I got a tax return and it was like eight grand. Couldn't believe it. (laughs) And yeah, so me and her tricked off and we lived like a king and queen for about, Four weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, we had eight grand. We had never had that much money in our lives. We were like, oh, yeah. A month later, all gone. And we're back to exactly where we were yep. four weeks before. Well, the problem with that thinking is we did that for a couple of years. And then finally, I don't remember if it was her or me, but we were just like, you know what? We should make this last longer. So we started like brainstorming some ways to do that. And one of the solutions that we came up with was um, mapping out 12 months. So I think the following year we ended up getting something like six or seven grand. Let's just say it's six for easy math. So we end up getting a $6,000 tax return. Well, instead of thinking I got $6,000 in my bank account, we started thinking we have 500 extra dollars a month that we can spend. Mm. So we didn't have six grand anymore. We had 500 extra dollars to help us get through the year. So that $400 emergency that was going to happen was a little less of an emergency. that's, That's a really good tip. So if you think about getting $120,000 per cap when you turn 18 years old, well, instead of thinking like, oh, I got this 120 G's coming in, it's like, okay, I got 10 grand a month I can save or I can, I can give myself 
throughout this next 12 months. And if you want it to last longer, well, then just bring it out, right? So instead of 12 months, make it 120 months. Now I got $1,000 a month I can give myself. For the next 10 years. Right. But again, I mean, what are most people after when they say that they want financial freedom? In my mind, it's what? How many months of savings? Six. Six, right. So if this 18-year-old can come up with a number of like, I want to live like a $3,000 a month lifestyle. Okay, well, what's six times three? Here we go. Let's put that away. Never touch it again. Like, it's always there. You're given your freedom at 18. Whether you make the most of it or waste it, that's totally up to you. Well, what should I do with the money? Well, it doesn't really matter. You're the one that's coming up with that goal. It's not, it's not a financial advisor's job to tell you how to spend your money, what mm-hmm. to do with your money, or what your goals are. And if, if you have an advisor who's telling you you need to grow your money, grow your money, grow your money, well, okay. For what? Why am I doing this? Nobody's going to stick to a plan if they don't have a purpose for it. Right. So. Yeah, I see, again, I see a bunch of financial advisors on TikTok saying, take this money, put it here, put it here, put it here. And next thing you know, you're, you have 10 million in the bank. And <laughs> it's like, some people don't have that kind of money to do that either. Like. People would be like, oh, in three months you should have 10 grand. It's like, not See, necessarily. This, the problem with generalized advice is, yeah, yep. it's got to be sensible to the masses, but it's not going to be good for every individual. And it always makes sense when, you know, you're not actually living paycheck to paycheck. Yep. And let's be honest, right? Let's break this down. Money is nothing more than a resource. It's a mm-hmm. bartering chip. Yep. That's all that it is, right? Like, how much money would I have to give you to give up your kids <laughs> or your woman? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a resource. It's that not an actual offer. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, people need to stop thinking about it like it's this, you know, omnipotent, holy thing or something or, you know, magnificent medicine or like it's not special. It's a chip to barter. That's, right. That's what it is. It's a resource that we can utilize. We can make the most of or we can waste and be foolish with. So, I mean, we have resources. How do we make the most of them? And we do that by making a strategy and listing out what we want it to do for us. And once we have clear-cut goals, we know whether the things that we're doing are serving us or not. Like, if I know that I want to be in shape and I wake up and I eat McDonald's breakfast every single day and I refuse to go to the gym, am I likely to get into this beautiful bodybuilding figure that I want to be? No. It's reality, dude. Do I have a, do I have a goal or no? If I don't have a goal, well then who the hell should I be mad at that I didn't get there? Awesome. Well, I think you served a lot of people. I know I like need to reevaluate my <laughs> own finances. Um, so if anyone would like your service or like reach out to you, how would they get a hold of you? Oh, you can contact me directly. My email is uh, Chris uh, Christopher. So C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R dot Hennigan, H-E-N-A-G-I-N at Thrivent dot com. Um, Thrivent's T-H-R-I-V-E-N-T. Um, yeah, otherwise, you can always reach me on Facebook, Internet. I got a website. I got a LinkedIn, all that. And I'm happy to connect with anybody who's uh, yeah, who's interested in either following me or talking to me or yeah, just wants anything. So well, Cool. cool. Well, that's very cool. Thank yes. you for Thank all you. your tips and tricks. And I know I'm going to have to go home and write a bunch <laughs> of write my monthly expenses out now. And yeah, <laughs> what should you start before the budget what should you write first figure out what i want to do yeah figure out my goals that's exactly right like yeah that's the big thing like most people don't like 
instead of walking up to each other and being like, hey, how you doing? Be like, hey, what are your goals? And I bet the vast majority of people that you ask that question to would be like, uh, 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 <laughs> what, what are you talking about? <laughs> the hell's wrong with you, dude? You tripping? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I, yeah. I, I can't speak enough to having a purpose, right? So when you have a goal, it's much more likely to happen. So if we started thinking about ourselves as like individual small businesses instead of, you know, an employee, I think that everything, all the perspective changes, right? Like you guys are setting up this podcast, okay? Mm-hmm. Well, what's the goal for the podcast? How are we conducting our day-to-day operations? What are What is it costing us to have this podcast? And I bet you guys put a lot of thought into it and you were probably nervous and scared before you did it and you had all these plans and you know, whatever. But the reality is you had to have something written down so that you could all collaborate because what Alyssa's thinking is not what Ricky's thinking is not what Morgan's thinking. And you knew that going into this, you all collaborated to make a plan. So I think that if we all start thinking about our own personal finances as a small business that we're operating and whether or not we're successful in our personal finances is how successful our business is, right? So is my small business effective or not? And if it's not, who's responsible? Well, I'm the CEO. So who the hell am I blaming, right? It's not like, well, the chairman didn't give me this, or the res didn't give me that, or the government stimulus, blah, 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 blah. Like, no, dude, you're the CEO of your company. Like, all of these risks and all of this, you know, BS in the world, those are all things that a small business owner was going to encounter. You knew that, right? Being alive is risky, you're not going to get out of this alive. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, stop pretending that there's no risk and everybody else's fault, right? Like, be the CEO of your company. Love I like it. that quote. I know my, my brain's like, okay, save that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. well, thank you for so much yeah, for thank you, Chris. coming down and this making been, me reevaluate my life. <laughs> <laughs> this has been fun. I, I honestly love it. I mean, even just putting the headphones on and like <laughs> mm-hmm. hearing my voice in this podcast. I'm like, this is cool. Do you like hearing your own voice in there? Because uh, I, when I do it, I'm like, Ugh, I don't, I don't like it. I don't want to hear myself. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's exciting because it's brand new, right? I'm sure like after I've done this a thousand times, it'd be like, oh, not again. Yeah. <laughs> tired of hearing this damn voice. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's exciting right now. Cool. Well, should we re- revisit the uh, trivia question? Sure. It was, which company makes most money per second? Amazon. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm, I'll say Disney. Ooh, Disney is a good one. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Disney, like, sneaky, owns a whole yeah. bunch of, like, small yeah. endeavors. I don't know. That's my guess. I wish it was myself. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just go with Walmart. You're actually the closest. Oh. Amazon, according to this website, to Palti, I think it's called. Um, Amazon is 10th at $367 a second. Wow. Um, Disney is 12 mm-hmm. with 350 And Walmart makes $472 a second. But the number one is Apple with $1,752 a second. Get out of here. All the people in those Birkenstocks buying those (laughs) (laughs) iPads and AirPods. So, yeah, during this episode, they've made millions. (laughs) That's crazy. 
crazy. How much was their number? What was it? 1,752. A second. A second. That is wild. That is wild. Dang. I'm just like taking back. My mind is blown. So in like 20 seconds, that's your your car. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Just to to put that in perspective. perspective. (laughs) Yeah. It's mine in like two, so. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for coming down and chatting with us and. Oh, this has been great. Giving us yeah, some we advice. Had a good time. Yeah. I appreciate you reaching out to me. You know, honestly, it's funny because Herb was the one that told me about this and it's like, yeah, you should go do that. I'm like, dude, I'm totally down. Talk to anybody. <laughs> I'll talk about money all day. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Herb. Chi Mayangan. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. Chi Mayangan now. Yep. That's right. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for joining us today and we hope you guys have a great upcoming weekend. Hey, See you next week. Hi. Bye. See ya. See ya. Hi.